Hello everyone and welcome to the Mimetic Exegete podcast. I'm your host Simon Skidmore. In this series we have been exploring the book of Deuteronomy, Moses' farewell sermon to the people of Israel. In the first four chapters Moses recounts Israel's victories and journey through the wilderness. He then instructs the people to diligently keep the law and resist the temptation to worship the gods of Canaan that all may go well with them across the Jordan in the land of Canaan. Mimetic desire will inevitably tempt the people to pursue certain desired objects and worship the deity which they believe will be able to grant the object of their desire. But to do so would be to repeat the same mistake made by Israel in the wilderness. On numerous occasions in the wilderness, the people lost their focus on their ultimate desired object of the land of Canaan and became distracted by various whims and cravings. The same danger exists in the land of Canaan and Israel must once more remain focused and serve the Lord of mimetic rivalry alone. As we continue reading from chapter 4 verse 41, Moses begins to outline how Israel must keep the law. Then Moses set apart three cities in the east beyond the Jordan that the manslayer may flee there anyone who kills his neighbor unintentionally without being at enmity with him in the past he may flee to one of these cities and save his life beza in the wilderness on the tableland for the reubenites ramoth in gilead for the gadites and golan in bashan for the manassites while the appointment of asylum cities in verses 41 to 43 may seem small and insignificant These cities play an important role in preventing cycles of bloodshed within the community, at least within the world of the text. We don't know if these cities ever functioned as places of asylum for accused murderers. For these reasons, we can only discuss the role of these cities as they are described within the Pentateuch. When someone was murdered in ancient Israel, the avenger of blood, that is the victim's closest male kin, would seek to execute their relative's killer. Of course, if this setup is allowed to continue unchecked, you can see how blood vengeance could spiral out of control as each subsequent avenger of blood is executed by a new avenger of blood who arises to avenge their kin's death. To prevent this cycle of violence precipitating into a mimetic crisis, killers would seek refuge from the avenger of blood in asylum cities, spread throughout the land of Israel. We shall revisit this concept of asylum cities and their role within the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 19. But for now, it's worth noting that the cities would have helped prevent mimetic crises by stalling cycles of blood vengeance. Reading on now from verse 44. This is the law that Moses set before the people of Israel. These are the testimonies, the statutes and the rules which Moses spoke to the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt beyond the Jordan in the valley opposite Beth Peor in the land of Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who lived at Heshbon, whom Moses and the people of Israel defeated when they came out of Egypt. And they took possession of his land and the land of Og, king of Bashan. 
the two kings of the Amorites who lived to the east beyond the Jordan, from Meroah, which is on the edge of the valley of the Arnon, as far as Mount Sirion, that is, Hermon, together with all the Arabah on the east side of the Jordan as far as the Sea of the Arabah, under the slopes of Pisgah. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today, and you shall learn them and be careful to do them. And the Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. Not with our fathers did the Lord make this covenant, but with us, who are all of us here alive today. And the Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain, out of the midst of the fire, while I stood between the Lord and between you at that time, to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid of the fire, and you did not go up into the mountain. He said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. And you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, or his field, or his male servant, or his female servant, his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Having briefly recounted Israel's journey, Moses then relays the Ten Commandments he received from the Lord on Mount Horeb. Many scholars contend that these commandments form the basis of rules and statutes outlined in the book of Deuteronomy. You may recall from our studies in the book of Exodus that the Ten Commandments aim to minimize mimetic rivalry within the community. In the last episode, we discussed how the first two commandments, worshipping the Lord of mimetic rivalry and refusing to worship the gods of Canaan, help manage mimetic rivalry within the community. 
Notice in verse 9 that the Lord is described as a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Then verse 10, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Let's unpack this a little bit from a mimetic perspective. We discussed this idea of the Lord's jealousy in the last episode. In a nutshell, this concept in Hebrew, kinah, describes a ruthless religious zealotry which persecutes and kills others. As the embodiment of mimetic rivalry, the Lord promises to return the violence of those who hate him upon their own head and the heads of their children, even to the third and fourth generation. Notice we're a long way from an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, the lex talionos, the punishment must fit the crime type principle here. The Lord's zealotry takes things to a whole new level. We are now entering the sphere of retaliation, anger, resentment and rage without any concern for justice or equity. Of course, this is how mimetic rivalry operates. By contrast, the Lord shows steadfast love or faithfulness to those who love him and keep his commandments. In other words, the Lord is the embodiment of mimesis. To those who hate him and are violent towards him, he visits their iniquity back upon them. But to those who love him, he mirrors their love back to them. This passage is a really good description of how the primitive sacred operates. The third command forbids taking, literally lifting or bearing, the Lord's name in vain. There's much debate over exactly what this command prohibits. The term translated vain in this text could also mean empty, pointless or dishonest. Whatever the meaning, bearing the Lord's name in an unworthy manner may bring dire consequences as the primitive sacred retaliates with divine violence. Remember these commands aim to harness the Lord's beneficent power for the community's prosperity while avoiding a divine curse. The fourth commandment prohibits any work on the Sabbath day which must be kept as a holy day to the Lord. The text binds the Sabbath tightly to Israel's identity and their exodus from Egypt. Having become disgruntled under the oppressive hand of Egypt, Israel cried out to the Lord for liberation. This holy dissatisfaction and discontent prompted the exodus crisis as the Israelites engage in a bitter rivalry with their Egyptian oppressors. The Sabbath principle attempts to avoid the occurrence of similar mimetic crises in the land of Canaan. As opposed to their miserable experience of perpetual slavery in Egypt, the Sabbath rest empowers the people to enjoy freedom and prosperity in the land of Canaan. This type of rest and recuperation helps to fuse any rivalry and resentment that might have otherwise been generated among weary, disgruntled Israelite workers. The command to honour one's parents aims to minimise mimetic rivalry between generations. In an honour society such as ancient Israel, image and social standing are very important, commonly desired objects. 
to be disrespected by one's children brought shame and dishonor and may generate a bitter rivalry between parents and their children as the children become an obstacle to their parents' own honor. To avoid this situation, the fifth commandment instructs children to honor their parents. The sixth commandment prohibits murder to avoid generating destructive blood feuds. Adultery, that is sexual relations with another person's spouse, may also spark a blood feud as it generates a powerful rivalry and jealousy between two people who fight over the sexuality of a single lover. For this reason, the seventh commandment prohibits adultery. The eighth commandment forbids theft, which is ultimately the expression of illegitimate mimetic desire for another's property. The ninth commandment forbids bearing false testimony to either degrade or cheat another community member. Such actions spawn from a bitter jealousy and could generate a powerful mimetic rivalry between the false witness and their rival. Finally, the tenth commandment forbids coveting, that is, illegitimate desire for another person's property or spouse. If the Israelites keep the tenth commandment and refuse to be seduced by mimetic desire, they will have no problem keeping the preceding five commandments. Let's read on now from verse 22. These words the Lord spoke to all your assembly at the mountain, out of the midst of the fire, the cloud and the thick darkness with a loud voice. And he added no more. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone and gave them to me. And as soon as you heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, you came near to me. All the heads of your tribes and your elders, and you said, Behold, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. This day we have seen God speak with man, and we are still alive. Now therefore, why should we die? For if this great fire will consume us, if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that has heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and has still lived? Go near and hear all the Lord your God will say and speak to us all that the Lord our God will speak to you and we will hear and do it. And the Lord heard your words when he spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I have heard the words of this people which they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart as this always to fear me and to keep all my commandments, that it might go well with them and with their descendants forever. Go and say to them, Return to your tents, but you stand here by me, and I will tell you the whole commandment, and the statutes, and the rules that you shall teach them, that they may do them in the land that I am giving them to possess. You shall be careful, therefore, to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right or to the left. You shall walk all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live, and that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land that you shall possess. Moses' role as the community scapegoat looms large in this passage. 
as we have already discussed, Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb as it is called in Deuteronomy is consumed by the primitive sacred. The image of fire and smoke consuming Mount Horeb communicates a mimetic crisis which threatens to destroy the community from within. The scapegoat mechanism prompts the community to search for a victim to blame for the crisis and Moses is selected because he was the one who led them into the wilderness in the first place. The community band together against Moses as more and more people imitate this allegation which is leveled at him. In their rage, the community execute Moses and experience a transcendent peace and calm. They credit this transcendent experience to Moses himself, who they regard as godlike because he has reached beyond the realm of the dead to bless them. For this reason, the passage states that Moses alone can withstand the fiery blaze of Mount Horeb and enter the primitive sacred to secure divine blessing for the Israelite community. Yet this blessing is conditional upon Israel's obedience. If the community adhere to the law credited to Moses, they will minimize mimetic rivalry and enjoy peace and safety in the land of Canaan. Thanks again for joining me on the Mimetic Exegete podcast. If you'd like to continue the conversation, you may do so on the Mimetic Exegete Facebook group. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you.